Welcome to Ag Annex Talks, a podcast brought to you by the agriculture brands of Annex Business Media. Join the teams behind Top Crop Manager, Potatoes in Canada, Fruit and Vegetable, Manure Manager, and Canadian Poultry Magazines for compelling conversations with some of the most important voices in Canadian agriculture. Hi everyone, my name is Stephanie Crowley and I'm the Editorial Director of Agriculture at Annex Business Media. In March, our group of agricultural magazines, which includes Top Crop Manager, Potatoes in Canada, Canadian Poultry, Fruit and Vegetable, and Manure Manager magazines, launched Influential Women in Canadian Agriculture, or IWCA. IWCA is a recognition program intending to identify and promote the work that women do across Canada's diverse agricultural landscape. Whether actively farming, providing animal health or agronomic services, or leading sales, research, and marketing teams, Canadian women are essential to the success of the agriculture industry. We asked our collective subscribers to nominate an influential woman by providing examples of their leadership, innovation, and advocacy work. We were confident that we'd receive lots of great nominations, but our team of judges was truly blown away by what we read in the nomination forms. In this bi-weekly podcast series, we'll interview each of the six women chosen as the inaugural Influential Women in Canadian Agriculture, presented by Annex Business Media's Ag Group. In this episode, Brett Ruffle, editor of Canadian Poultry, interviews Dr. Karen Schwein-Lardner, an associate professor with the University of Saskatchewan's Department of Animal and Poultry Science. Karen leads a research team that investigates the effects of management systems on the welfare and productivity of commercial poultry. She is currently the principal investigator of nine ongoing poultry research grants totaling more than $648,000. In 2018, she received the Poultry Science Association Early Achievement Award for Research, which recognizes researchers for their accomplishments, discoveries, and collaborations. We hope you enjoy this episode, and please subscribe to Ag Annex Talks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to hear more from the 2020 Influential Women in Canadian Agriculture. First off, so thank you for joining us, and congratulations on being recognized. Uh, first of all, I would like to say thank you very much to Annex Business, uh, Business Media. I am completely shocked to hear about this award. I think there are so many influential women, more so than me, but regardless, I'd like to say thank you for this recognition. I also would like to say thank you to Tineel Kanazachuk and Tori Shinkaruk, who are the two amazing women who secretly put this nomination together, um, and thank you to them for doing this. So first, can you tell us a bit about your current role and your background in ag? Absolutely. Uh, currently, I'm an associate professor in, in the Department of Animal and Poultry Science at the University of Saskatchewan. My research focuses on how uh, management practices uh, and uh, affect the well-being and productivity of a number of commercial poultry species. So particularly, we work with turkeys, laying hens, and broilers. How I got here is a, is a bit of a, a funny story. I still remember, even though I'm really old, I still remember back to grad, grade 12 and my principal saying, no, you cannot be in working in science. That's not what girls do. And I find that so frustrating. And so I hope if there are still any young ladies uh, getting this message from people that this, this podcast helps them to say that's absolutely not true. So I ignored him. I came to the University of Saskatchewan and did a degree in animal and poultry science. When I finished that, I went to Melfort, Saskatchewan, and I worked for co-op feeds there for a number of years. 
came back to the city and I got a, a position working for Dr. Hank Claussen, who I still consider to be probably the most influential work mentor of my life. I started working for him. Uh, then I did a master's degree with him while I worked full time. And that was interesting because I had two little kids at home as well, so it made for a very busy life. When I finished my master's degree, I got hired to manage the teaching and research unit at the University of Saskatchewan. Then we got into another discussion and I started a PhD program working on brighter lighting programs with Dr. Clausen, again while working full time. And when I finished that, I kept that job for a couple of years and then was hired into a faculty position here at the University of Saskatchewan. So it's been, I've been at this university for many years. I've had almost every job except for a janitor and I think some days I've done that also. So it's been a long time uh, to get to where I am. So what does a typical work day look like for you? What does a typical work day look like? Uh, it changes. It is never, never, never the same. And uh, there are so many things that I love about my job that um, I'm able to do so many different things. If I can tell you a little bit about that, I'm going to talk your ear off. Uh, when I talk about my job and what things I do and what I love best, that's probably going to be the most difficult question that I could be asked because I love so many things. Teaching is one of my passions. I absolutely love to teach. I love the face-to-face -face uh, interaction with students. Challenge now with online teaching, but that's a whole other story. Um, and it's, I make it, I hope, a fun experience for them, a learning experience and a fun experience. So when I start out a new undergraduate class, usually I, I have about 60 to 70 students in my poultry class. When I start that off, one of the first things I ask on the first day is how many people are interested in poultry and of those 60 70 kids I might have one or two people put up their hand so I make it my goal throughout the term to have that turned around and I work really hard at this uh, I spend lots of time with students again with that interaction by the end of the term I usually have three quarters to, to almost every student have an interest in poultry so that gets me excited just talking about it I can hear it in my voice that gets me excited and that's a successful turn for me. Other things that I do are the research component. How fun is it to find ways that producers might be able to benefit in their management practices that also can improve the welfare of those birds? I get a lot of opportunity to talk to producers at extension uh, meetings all across the world, which is a great time. I love that. I get to travel a lot, talk to producers and do all of those. So that's a cool part of this too. And I work with such incredible people. There's it's just, it's just amazing. From those at the, our university, so Dr. Clausen to Neil, Dr. Gomez, Dr. Buchanan, Dr. Hogan, and all of my staff, Tori, Keelan, and Eugenia, they make my days great. And I love to go to work. But I also get the cool opportunity. I had a conference call this morning with Tina Wadowski at 12. Um, I work with her with uh, Stephanie Torrey, Bruce Rathgaber, Billy Hargis in Arkansas, a number of different people all across the world. I learned so much from working with them. It's, it's a great, great fun. And I still get to work with other groups. I travel and sit on some welfare committees all across the world. Oh my goodness. Uh, so, so that gives a brief overview of how my day goes. There's many more parts to it, but it's great fun and I love all of it. So what is it about poultry welfare that interests you? I have always been interested in animals. Uh, I always have been uh, concerned for how their life is. I am a meat eater. I have no issues eating meat, but I 
my core belief is that animals, birds, whatever it is, should have a good life uh, to the point before we are able to slaughter them and consume them. So I think it comes back to my core self and my beliefs and, and uh, that comes in through the work that I do here. So what would you say is the biggest risk you've taken in your career? The biggest risk that I have taken, I think that goes back to something I mentioned before. Um, uh, when I had two small kids at home and I had a full-time job, anyone with two kids knows that's a, a busy time, a full-time job on top of it. And I took on a master's degree. So I did all of those things at the same time. I would work my full eight hour days. I would pick up my kids and go home and spend the evening with them. And then I would work on graduate studies late into the night. It took me a long time to, to get through this process, but it was a big risk. I still have some sanity left after all of that. Uh, but it's amazing what people can do when they're motivated. I think women in agriculture can do anything when they want to do that. And I think we are strong. So that would be what I would think was one of the biggest risks, just, just taking on a lot all at the same time. And can you talk about a particular challenge you faced and what you did to uh, overcome that and what you learned from that? Worked my butt off. <laughs> Again, that would, so much of this comes back to that time. That, that time drove much of who I am now. So I raised my kids by myself, doing all of this by myself. But uh, what I learned from it is that I can do things. I am able to, to accomplish this. Uh, we can be strong, be tough, be persistent, don't give up. All of those things come through into my very busy life right now. So I would, I would count that as one of the most difficult but most rewarding times in my life, actually. And what would you say is your proudest achievement or a defining moment? My defining moment is an interesting one. And it comes back to my work defining moment, at least comes back to my time working as a technician in the poultry science department for Hank Clausen. Um, we worked in this old building built in the early 1900s at the U of S campus. It was a, a very cool building and our offices were there and every day we would all meet for coffee downstairs in the, in the old basement. And we were down there one day. I, I wasn't sure that I, I don't think I had plans for graduate school at that time, but one day we were, a number of us were downstairs uh, including Dr. Hank Clausen, my mentor, and we got talking about animal welfare. And at this time, um, situations were changing, particularly in Europe, with housing systems for laying hens. And we got talking about this and about what things were being put into this new housing system that we're seeing now in Canada at that time, and what things we thought would be important. And we talked and talked and talked and talked, and the end of the conversation was, would you like to start a master's program and should we do this? And I said, yes. And that day was the start of getting excited about research and learning new things and developing an education program and moving forward in my life. And that's really driven uh, my continuation onto the PhD and my current job now. So that 15 minute or 20 minute coffee break changed everything. I think there's a, a, a good moral that I hope people can get out of this is that look at situations in life as opportunities and keep an open mind. Again, I did not plan on that position taking me into a graduate program, but oh my goodness, I'm so glad that it did. Uh, my life is completely different after that one coffee period. So that would be my defining work moment, 
have done. And is there any research project you worked on that you think is the most impactful? Actually, uh, yes, there is. I was fortunate enough again, and, and this one came about in the same way. I was currently, or I was uh, the manager of the poultry research group. Dr. Coslin came into my office to talk about something and he said, um, by the way, Avigen, who's one of the primary breeding companies in, in the world, is talking about determining lighting programs to assess welfare and production in broilers. He did not ask me if this was something I was interested in doing. He just was telling me that it's exciting. And I said, will there be a PhD student on this? And he said, yes, there probably will be. And I said, that's me. So that started the next thing. So we spent a, a number of years, again, working full-time, it took me a little bit longer, uh, looking at the impact of different day lengths on commercial broilers, on pro production and on welfare. So Avigen is one of the two primary breeding companies who produce genetic stock for broilers across the world. So they're a very large company with, with a lot of producers raising their birds. They used my data, allowed me to write a technical document, and it is now the, the recommended practice for anybody producing their broilers across the world. So that data will impact billions of broilers every single year. It's also been used as a basis for some of the changes in, in Canadian uh, work as well. So it's had some very big impacts, I believe. So what's the best piece of advice you received and what advice would you give to others who are thinking about a career in ag? The best piece of advice is one that I might struggle with sometimes and that is to be confident in, in yourself. Uh, and I think people can do that. When you are confident in yourself, you can do anything. The second one is that, as I mentioned before, keep an open mind. Things happen and situations can surprise you, but look at the opportunities that you might have um, where you never realize that they will come from. So keeping an open mind and, and showing confidence are both uh, advice that I've received that are, are good points to remember. So if you can go back to the start of your career, uh, what advice would you give to yourself? When advice, do not become a workaholic might be my first one, but it's too late. We're already there. Um, other things that I would tell myself is don't let people tell you you cannot do something. So if I had listened to that high school principal years and years and years ago, I would not be doing this job. I would be doing something very different. And, and that would be a loss because I love this job. So don't let people tell you um, if you want to do something, do it. It takes perseverance. As I said, you have to work your butt off sometimes. You sometimes make sacrifices. But remember, remember the goal that I set and why I want to do it and remember that I can do it. I think that's important. And what keeps you excited about agriculture after all these years? Every single thing about it. The students keep me excited about it. My staff uh, is so fun to go to work where they're just as excited about research as, as I can be. We, we learn new things all the time. I think Every day that I uh, get farther into my career and into my education, I realize that I knew less than I thought I knew the day before. But the whole research program uh, is so exciting because you're learning new things. And the people, how much fun is it to interact with such a, a very good group of people all across the world? And that's industry and academia and, and uh, so many other groups. So all of those things. I don't think there's one single answer to that question. How do you see the egg industry changing in five to 10 years? 
That's always a good question. That's like a job interview question, isn't it? Um, I think we're realizing that regenerative and sustainable agriculture are here to stay, and that's that's a good thing. And we're going to see more emphasis on those over the, the next five or 10 years. Things like environmental sustainability and animal welfare are certainly going to increase in strength, I would say. But I also would like to say that I think so many of our Canadian producers really focus on this already. So I'm not sure the changes will be as huge for them as they might be in some other parts of the world. Another thing I'd like, I hope that happens, uh, since this is influential women, is that I hope we have more women in some of the major influential roles as we move forward to help balance out gender numbers a little bit. I, I see a lot of that changes have already happened, and I hope it continues just to some sort of a balance. And now a word from our sponsor, Avigen. Since 1923, Avigen has established itself as a global breeding company developing pedigree lines for the production of commercial broilers. For more information, visit avigen.com. And so broadly speaking, what would you say is the biggest achievement for animal welfare over the course of your career that you've seen? What is the biggest achievement for animal welfare that I've seen? Uh, there's lots of examples. I could list many, many examples, but I think the point where people are realizing how important this is, is probably one of the biggest achievements. If you don't know something, it's hard to correct it or fix it. So if I had to pick one, I would just say it's the awareness, both in, in academia, in industry, and in society, that animal welfare uh, is a concern and we need, to, we need to work at it to make it uh, a positive experience. And so what areas of animal welfare do you think need more attention? What areas of animal welfare need more attention? Again, that's such a good question because it really depends on, on what happens. Uh, I don't know that I have a good answer for that. Everything changes. Feed ingredients change. That can impact welfare. Our, our uh, housing systems might be changing. That changes so many factors. So it's, a, it's not an answer that I can give you today, I don't think, for what's going to happen in the next 10 years. It's a constant changing mechanism. And so I'm not sure that there is a specific answer for that question. So what do you think the future holds for your research? And what, what, what areas would you like to focus on? We, we work in so many different areas. Uh, all of it functions or all of it has to do with management practices uh, for producers, trying to find ways that they can do things that help their productivity and help animal welfare. So uh, we work on a lot on lighting systems for turkeys and broilers and uh, egg production birds, pullets, uh, and that's one of my favorite areas. I enjoy the light. Light is an amazingly powerful tool and it can do a lot of things. So we work on, on those kinds of systems, not extensive, not solely, but certainly quite a bit of them. So a lot of work like that. It's fun to do different species. Uh, we'll have broilers in the barn uh, a number of times during the year and then switch around and, and bring turkeys in. So I enjoy that very much as well, especially since turkey is not a major uh, species that research has done on in North America. So it's fun to do uh, those multiple species as well. We currently are working on, on a thesis with uh, Tina Widowski in Guelph on pullet lighting systems which is a little bit out of the field that I've typically worked in, but it's also great fun because we're learning new, new things from that as well. So, so we have a broad base of uh, things that we are excited about doing. Why do you think it's important to recognize the achievements of women in ag? Very cool. 
it's very cool. And like I said, there are so many more women that are deserving of this than me. So I could, I could give you a list of 30 women in agriculture that, that are amazing women. They're still trying to do, uh, you know, have their home life and have a work life and do all of the other things that, that they do. And so it's a very cool thing. I think we're, we've come a long way in the last 20 years. So have you noticed the role of women involved in your area? From the time that I went to undergrad, and I realized that's roughly two million years ago, but in my undergraduate years, uh, there were certainly fewer women in my fourth year poultry class, for example, than there were uh, men. That has completely switched. And now, for example, in my poultry class that uh, I just ran last year with 62 students that year, I had three males and 59 women. So there, we are certainly educating more women in this area than we are men. We're starting to see that in, in some of the positions as well. In, in industry, for example, we're seeing more women in uh, major roles than we did 20 years ago as well. So it is changing. Is there anything about livestock production that an outsider would be surprised to learn? Like maybe the amount of attention that goes into animal welfare that you guys focus on. I, I believe that would surprise a number of people. Um, my sister is, is the opposite of me. Uh, she's a vegetarian. She does not, eat, she, she does not consume uh, meat at all, but she listens to me and she is constantly surprised at the amount of work that goes on in terms of animal welfare and developing positive animal welfare systems. And so it's a really interesting way to look at how society might. So certainly some people would, would be surprised, I think. I was surprised when I first entered this industry uh, just about the number, the different aspects of welfare that are, people are focusing on. Absolutely. Enrichment, um, housing systems, it could go on and on. Nutrition, I mean, there's so many things that affect human welfare or animal welfare. If you think about all, put it in your perspective, all the things that affect the well-being of you and birds or animals are really not any different. There are so many things that, that will impact this. Good management practices, nutrition, lighting, as you say, stocking density, enrichment, natural light. I, I mean, we can make lists and lists and lists and lists about them, disease status uh, and on. It's a, it's a huge area. Has the pandemic affected your role in any way? Yeah, it absolutely has. And I'm not complaining because other people have gone through much more severe times, but it certainly has. So when this hit or when we found out that things would be closing up, uh, that was uh, Friday and classes ended uh, Monday morning and we had until Wednesday to figure out how to teach online and interact with students. So teaching has become a challenge. I'm not a computer whiz. I don't love playing with new technology. So that's been a big job to figure out how that is. We're now going into a fall term where everything will, at our university at least, will again be online. And we're trying to figure out new ways to be able to interact with students and not just have them watch us talk on a video. So it's been, the summer has been busy so far, trying to figure out where that's going to go. Our research was also, we were told to finish up our research as quickly as we could. So we had a couple projects on the go at the time when this happened that needed to be ended quickly. And now we have to apply to the university to even continue or to begin new research. So 
many things have changed. I also travel a lot. I, I do a lot of extension talks across the world. I sit on a number of welfare advisory committees across the world, uh, do lots of invited talks in other parts, parts of the country. I don't think I've been home for this long a period for many, many years. So lots of things have changed. Certainly nothing like many other people are facing, so I'm not complaining, but it certainly has had some impacts on us as well. So what do you like to do on your downtime? Got, do you have any hidden talents? <laughs> I am a complete workaholic, so uh, I do a lot of that. Do I have any hidden talents? No, not many. We, we, uh, I attempt to golf. I stink at it, but I attempt to golf. My husband's a golfer, so I do a little bit of that. Um, my son has bought the house across the street. So he and his wife and their puppy live close by and I do lots of walks with the dog and um, I work a lot. That was a very boring answer, but it's the truth. That's about all my questions. Thanks again for joining us and congratulations on this recognition. Thank you, Brett. Thanks for tuning in to Ag Annex Talks, the podcast hosted by the agriculture brands of Annex Business Media. You can subscribe to Ag Annex Talks wherever you listen to podcasts or visit eggannex.com to catch up on all of our other episodes.